0: Hi, welcome to Reverse Sequels. This is Patrick, and with me, as always, is Ellie. And today's podcast is mini episode number five The Curse.
1: It oh, be server. It will oh, be server. It won't oh, be server. On today's mini-episode, we are discussing the curse of the sequel. Why do sequels get such a bad reputation? And in that, let's discuss Romancing the Stone and Jewel of the Nile.
0: Right, so two movies that we didn't love, so it might seem strange that we're dedicating a whole mini-episode to them, but two things. One, the story of the making of these two movies, I think, is more interesting than the movies themselves.
1: And number two... It was a cursed production from the start.
0: Right, which it does seem like a lot of sequels are. It seems like a lot of time the sequel is bad, and then you find out there was a whole list of reasons, and Jewel of the Nile is a really good example of this, so we wanted to kind of delve into it a little bit more.
1: Yeah, where should we start with this? It's almost like it's the curse of the jewel itself. <laughs> like, do you know about the Hope Diamond? Yeah. And anyone who comes into contact with it is cursed? Do you know what happened to me? I went to the Smithsonian in Washington, D.C. to see the Hope Diamond,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and the exhibit was closed.
0: You were struck by the curse.
1: (laughs) I was struck by the curse. The one weekend I flew in to see it.
0: Did you fly in just for that?
1: No, but I thought, you know, the curse continues.
0: (laughs) All right, so let's talk about Romancing the stone. So we touched on this a little bit before. It was a screenwriter named Diane Thomas. She's a waitress working at a restaurant in California called the Coral Beach Cantina. Wait, I mean, it's such a classic Hollywood story. I know. She's
1: I imagine her with like a um, an apron around her waist, a pencil <laughs> behind her ear.
0: And then she's going home at night working on her screenplay. So she did actually have an agent. I mean, there's kind of this legendary story that Michael Douglas came into the restaurant and she pitched him the idea and he bought it. It seems like that did not happen. She had an agent. The agent sent this script around, but people really liked it. And Michael Douglas ends up buying it. Like we said before, he liked it. it was a fresh voice. It was There was a spontaneity to the writing. He really liked it.
1: Which is kind of good on Michael Douglas for supporting female screenwriters, first-time screenwriters, but also... There is potential in the screenplay.
0: Right. I don't think it's so bad. And also, you know, I was reading some reviews of it to try to figure out. We didn't really like it. It was such a big hit. One of the things that people really liked is that it is a female protagonist. And it's, you know, told from her point of view. The movie starts with her and focuses on her for a long time before we meet Michael Douglas, which is pretty rare for the time.
1: Are we talking Jewel of the Nile or Romancing the Stone?
0: Romancing the Stone. I'm now going in. Chronological, chronological order. order. Okay. A little bit confusing. So Robert Zemeckis is is director who hasn't made a lot. He's made two movies at this point. He's made a Beatles movie called I Wanna Hold Your Hand, which I actually saw. Um and another one's called like Used Cars or something. Okay. So they're both flops, but they're critically acclaimed, so he's still getting chances and he likes the script.
1: I feel like that's such a metaphor. A critically acclaimed
0: <laughs> flop. Right. It's so- like this podcast. <laughs> so I don't know if we had JK. any critical acclaim yet <laughs> but in our minds. So Robert Zemeckis is like, I love this script. I'll sign on to direct it. They're like, okay, whatever. We're not, you know, it's first time screenwriter, rookie director. We're not spending a lot of money on this. But Michael Douglas ha- actually has a track record in producing hits. He produced One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. He did? Mm-hmm. So they're like, okay. What? Yeah. So they have a star who bought the movie. He's going to be in it. They're like, all right, fine. And we're not going to make it for that much money. We'll use these rookies. We've got a star. Kathleen Turner is this hot young actress. She's only been in a couple movies so far. I love her. And we'll put them together. And, you know, hopefully it's a hit. So they put them together. This shoot was not so troubled, although Kathleen Turner did later complain about Robert Zemeckis as a director. Said that he wasn't. He was a film school artist who didn't know anything about working with actors.
1: I mean, OK, I could see that. If you I mean, know your craft, you gotta handle people. It's a different beast,
0: right? But this was his third movie, so you know maybe he learned uh, after that. So, if this movie's being made by 20th Century Fox, they get a preview of the movie. The movie's done. Robert Zemeckis is now moving on to direct his next movie, Cocoon. 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 <laughs> Did I say that word? Cocoon. Cocoon. I don't know. <laughs> That's what he's working on next. 20th Century Fox previews the cut of *Romancing the Stone*. It's done, and they hate it. They're like, this is this huge piece of shit. Why did we hire this Robert <laughs> Zemeckis guy? Then they fire him from Cocoon. They're like, this movie was so bad, we're not even going to let you direct uh, he Cocoon. He got cut from Cocoon. Yeah, he'd already started work on it. They were like, no, they let Ron Howard direct it instead. The rest is history. But I just thought it was funny that they were like, this movie hasn't even come out yet, but we just think it's so bad, you're fired from your next job.
1: I think that's hilarious that they saw the cut of this movie and they fired him, but what I think is incredible, one little tidbit that I read, is that if it weren't for the making of this movie, he never would have gone on to make one of your favorite movies, Back to the Future.
0: Correct. So this movie ends up being such a big hit that now Robert Zemeckis can make whatever he wants, and he had this project, Back to the Future, that had been rejected from a bunch of studios. Now... They're like, this is the Romancing the Stone guy. Give him everything.
1: So then let's go back. Is this movie cursed? The movie itself is cursed. But if a curse leads to a ripple effect of positive (laughs) things, is it a curse?
0: Well, here's the thing. It seems to affect some people and not others. Robert Zemeckis was blessed. Michael Douglas went on to be okay. But a lot of other people, not so much.
1: I wonder if there's like... Everyone on the set who touched the the emerald went on to have a bad life and everyone who didn't.
0: Right. Yeah, maybe Robert Zemeckis never actually touched it. Or maybe he made a deal with the devil. Oh, I like that. He was like, let me go on to success and everybody else suffer. That's interesting. So this movie ends up being a big hit. It's actually 20th Century Fox's only hit of the year. So that leads them into making a sequel. Now they're like, we got to get a sequel out to this movie as soon as possible.
1: What was the name of the sequel?
0: The Jewel of the Nile. (laughs) Great segue. (laughs) So now here's where we get into really the cursed production. 20th Century Fox is like, we have to make a sequel right away. Luckily, in the contract... Kathleen Turner and Michael Douglas are both obligated to appear in any sequels.
1: Luckily for who?
0: Luckily for the studio, right? Not for force, them. No, they can force them to make the sequel. It starts off bad right away because they have the actors under contract, but they don't have the director under contract, and they don't have Diane Thomas, the screenwriter. So, do they have
1: the jewel under contract?
0: No, <laughs> the the stone is not. They have to get a whole <laughs> new jewel. And it's just a guy. It's not even a. Jewel. I know.
1: They didn't even get the jewel
0: <laughs> under contract for the second movie. They really, their lawyers should have been fired. So Robert Zemeckis moves on to Back to the Future, and Diane Thomas is now working with Steven Spielberg. She's writing a movie called Always. Did you ever see that movie? No. So I never saw it. It did get made as Richard Dreyfus, but I was looking up the cast of it. You know who's in it? Who? This is weird. This is going to be for. Reverse sequel super fans only. Brad Johnson.
1: The Brad Johnson?
0: The star of Philadelphia Experiment 2.
1: Brad Johnson first build Yeah. After the title of the movie? Brad Johnson?
0: That's right. He was in Always. Directed by Steven Spielberg.
1: And Richard Dreyfus. Here's an interesting thing. Philadelphia Experiment deals with time travel. Back to the Future deals with time travel. This name of the movie always do you think we're in a never-ending time loop
0: we might, we that that be that part of the curse there's a lot of aspects to this curse for sure so diane thomas is out right in that movie Bank's not there okay so who do they get to replace those two for the director they get a guy named Louis teague who has directed up to this point cujo oh yes steven spielberg me. so i kind of like that movie but it's a low budget horror movie, it's not a big budget right. action romance.
1: But it's also infamous.
0: Okay. Now who did they get to write it? Two guys named Mark Rosenthal and Lawrence Connor, who went on to write Star Trek VI and Superman 4.
1: Okay, great sequels. Were they? Star Trek VI, Undiscovered Country? Are you kidding me?
0: I couldn't tell you one thing about that one.
1: I remember when it came out in
0: 1991.
1: You do? I do because we watched it. We rented it and watched it. All I remember is like, Kirk had a weird perm.
0: <laughs> do you know the subtitle for Superman 4? It was yeah. The Quest for Peace.
1: Oh, did they find it?
0: I don't know. I never saw it. Oh. But my point is, I think these are not great screenwriters <laughs> who are known for You're
1: telling me the writer of a 6th and a 4th movie in a series aren't top of their game? Did
0: they ever get to write an original or are they just sequel guys?
1: I don't know, but I'm thinking for sequel the movie now we have two people to hire <laughs> to help write the script.
0: That's a good point. Okay.
1: So Now we have the cast of characters.
0: Right. So Kathleen Turner reads the script apparently on the plane on the way to Morocco to shoot the movie. She didn't want to do the movie. She tried to get out of it. And Fox threatened her with a twenty five million dollar lawsuit.
1: Couldn't she have paid it? Did she have that kind of money? Probably not yet. No.
0: But also, good point, would you have paid twenty five million dollars to not have to be in this movie?
1: I guess it depends on Yeah, the kind do I have that money at the time? What kind of actress am I at the time? Was it just the fine or would I have burned career bridges?
0: That's a good yeah. That's a good point. She might have burned bridges.
1: But maybe I would have paid it.
0: (laughs) I mean, so she reads the script on the plane and is like, oh, this is a giant pile of shit. I hate this. Now, here's
1: the thing where I feel like I need to pipe up because in our last podcast, I chose the sequel (laughs) as preferable to the original. And I I don't know. I keep waxing and waning. I stand by it because it was more fun than the original. And I felt like it was more feminist than the original. Well,
0: so here's the thing. She was like, you have to change this script to make my character better. So she went to Michael Douglas. She was mad at him because apparently he didn't want to pay the money for Diane Thomas. He cheaped out as producer of the movie. So she was mad at him. So they rewrote it themselves. They were in Morocco in their Who? hotel room.
1: Michael Douglas and, and Kathleen, Kathleen Turner?
0: Basically. Turner. Bas- turned. <laughs> Yeah, I guess they sat around exchanging pages of the script being like, okay, I'll do this if you do that. And
1: oh, it makes me like it even more. Characters.
0: And then Michael Douglas did end up consulting with Diane Thomas. Okay. So she gave some input, but didn't sound like actual rewrites. So I think that's why her character was at least a little bit better in the second one. Because she forced it to happen.
1: Let me drop a little bit of knowledge I got. I didn't do as much research as you did, but I did a little bit. I read some reviews of this movie at the time.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: One being Roger Ebert and his review of Romancing the Stone. He said that he liked this movie because it wasn't as sexist as most movies at the time. Right. That blew (laughs) my mind.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, I read the Ebert review of both of them, too. And, yeah, he did like that.
1: It wasn't just a hapless female lead. Mm -hmm. It was someone who needed this guy's help and they worked together. Which, to me, it's a stretch. But, again, I think context is key in this case. Which is why this makes this pairing of movies so fascinating to review in... You know, the modern day.
0: Right. So how funny that we're looking at this movie and being like, oh, my God, it's so racist. It's so sexist. And like in the time, it was revolutionarily non-sexist.
1: I know. How that blew me away when I read that. The main
0: character is a woman. <laughs> how times have changed for the better. But, you know, still a long way to go, obviously. But at least we're farther <laughs> along than this movie. OK, so now we get into when we say the production was cursed. Now we get into some pretty dark stuff. So they're shooting on location in Morocco. It's 120 degree heat. They have to bribe local officials to shoot all this different stuff. Kathleen Turner and Michael Douglas almost die in a plane crash. I also heard a mudslide. I read something about a (laughs) mudslide. I believe it. And then, uh, so sadly, two people who worked on the movie who were in a plane scouting locations did die in a plane crash. Their plane actually did crash and passed away. And the movie ends up being partially dedicated to them. And then. Partially? So, while well, also dedicated to Diane Thomas. Oh. So, Michael Douglas, to thank Diane Thomas for helping consult on this movie, he buys her a Porsche. And before this movie is able to come out, she ends up passing away uh, in a drunk driving car accident.
1: In the Porsche that Michael Douglas got her. Yeah.
0: So, I mean, so tragic. I mean,. A- a- Even though we didn't love these movies, I mean, obviously, a super talented screenwriter, this was her first movie. She was working with Steven Spielberg. She uh, was apparently going to work on an Indiana Jones movie. I mean, such a bright future ahead of her and ends up, you know, tragically passing away young.
1: How crazy. How crazy.
0: I know. I mean, she had such a great Cinderella story. and then
1: Right. And then that. And then the film turns out, against all odds, to be a success
0: i know so that's the craziest thing they had this horrible cursed production nobody wanted to do it um the the director apparently was a mess he shot a whole scene once with no film in the camera and they had to redo it like everything was a mess and then it ends up being also a hit it made more money than romancing the stone and uh you know it wasn't the worst reviewed movie Ebert, like you said liked it as well he gave Mm -hmm. it three stars So it ends up, against all odds, kind of not being as bad as it should have been or could have been.
1: Right. Which is just crazy because it is kind of the curse.
0: Right. And then but it is a good example of when you try to force that sequel magic, it just, you know, it doesn't it's it's so hard to recapture what made a first movie so good.
1: Right. And why are people making sequels? I think you said it before that. There's that famous quote that you would say everything you needed to say in the first one.
0: Right. So William Goldman, the screenwriter, said, all sequels are just made for the money. If you had anything more to say, you would have said it. Um, And then here's a good case of why this keeps happening. They made a movie that was clearly inferior to the first one, but it made money. So that's why this cycle keeps repeating.
1: And it's so crazy because some sequels are actually good. Or as we've discovered, almost on par with the original... But that could be a result of the order we're watching them in.
0: I mean, that's true. Are we cursed? I mean, <laughs> maybe. It's not all, you know, sequels, but it I think that if you I think that the reason that sequels kind of generally have that reputation is because of stuff like this. But
1: um one thing that I discovered, I did not find as much as you did, but I did find that there was an intention to make a third movie in the series. Oh
0: my God. Okay. What was that going to be?
1: It was going to be titled Crimson Eagle and it was going to take place in Thailand.
0: Oh, okay. So I'm sure they would have really treated the culture of Thailand with respect.
1: (laughs) But I can only imagine. I mean, one thing I have to say I do like about this movie or these movies is that they are action Romance comedy, and they explore these different settings, which I think that in and of itself for the time period had to be new and exciting for moviegoers.
0: Yeah, I mean, Ebert said that. It, this was one of the many Raiders of the Lost Ark ripoffs, but this one was actually good. So I guess that was kind of a that was kind of a popular thing to do in the time was to go to foreign locales and have these adventures. But this one was just better than most.
1: What I think is cool is um I love Raiders of the Lost Ark, and you talked about how Kathleen Turner did not like working with Robert Zemeckis, but she does work with him again later as the voice of Jessica Rabbit in Who Framed Roger Rabbit
0: right so yeah to finish off i did kind of want to talk about where does everybody
1: go go off
0: to so robert zemeckis obviously goes on to huge success as a filmmaker and yeah he works with kathleen turner again but also kathleen turner michael douglas and danny devito all work together again and they do a third movie called war of the roses oh i kind of know the name yeah so obviously they like working together, and yeah, Kathleen Turner was the voice of Jessica Rabbit.
1: That was one of those movies, "Where the Roses, that was too adult when I was a kid. <laughs> right. So I'd like to visit it now as an adult.
0: Kathleen Turner had a really fascinating career i mean she was like one of the hottest actresses of the 80s and i think good i think she is the she's only reason so good. these movies are watchable because i don't think michael douglas is that great i think she's the star
1: completely completely and she was like a hollywood it girl and i did some research on her because i wanted to know how she fell out of favor in hollywood
0: mm-hmm.
1: and it's like a tragic story i mean as you would expect a lot of it deals with sexism In Hollywood and, you know, the time period, as we keep saying. But another issue is illness. So she was diagnosed with arthritis, rheumatoid arthritis. Right. And it made working really difficult or grabbing onto things really difficult. And a lot of producers, directors, other actors didn't want to work with her and found her difficult. Because nobody at the time wanted to accommodate someone with, you know, different needs.
0: Right. I read she got this reputation as being difficult to work with, which she was like, this is just pure sexism. It's bullshit.
1: Which to me is incredibly infuriating because she was at the top of her game.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I read, too, I read a little bit about that, too, and that she was taking pills that kind of made her fuzzy, you know, to deal with the pain.
1: Right, or like um, at the time they were prescribing medicine because they didn't know how to treat chronic arthritis, and it would maybe bloat her out so she wasn't as desirable either in the looks department in Hollywood.
0: Right, so then she stops getting the choice roles. I think this all leads to her appearing in Baby Geniuses. That explains a lot of that. <laughs> But I mean so sad because I think she's so talented and I know. But I guess if you just if you get a reputation as being difficult or
1: Right, but it all seems very valid. I want her to have like a redemption story movie. Like, you know how we've been getting all these movies about women lately, like Tanya Harding or Monica Lewinsky. Sure, sure. Or you know, I want to Marsha Clark Marcia Clark Let's re-examine women from the 80s and 90s who got a bad rep, and let's make a Kathleen Turner movie.
0: That'd be amazing. Because, yeah, I bet she was labeled as difficult for saying she didn't want to be in this piece of shit movie unless the script got better, and she was 100% right. Right. The only redeeming thing about that was that she forced her character to have more... Backbone and.
1: Which is why I like the second one. I liked her throwing that typewriter in, (laughs) you know, to the Sen at the beginning of the movie.
0: Right. So, yeah, so I, you know, I didn't love these movies, but I liked the story behind it. I thought it was really interesting and brought up a lot of things that are cool about doing this podcast and about watching so many sequels. And so, this was just a cool deep dive into.
1: Right. These movies from a different time, this sequel franchise, you know, we examine sequels because we're watching them <laughs> constantly, but it's good to know the kind of the point of view of the movie, too. For sure. It kind of opened it up for me. I think knowing all this backstory made me appreciate the movies more. I don't know if I'm going to say like <laughs> them more, but I appreciated them.
0: Sure. All right. Well, as always, I'm Patrick. And I'm Ellie. This has hey, been sir. Reverse Sequels.
1: Until next time. Hey, bye. bye. Hey, Reverse sequel. Another story that I found in my research, it wasn't so much about the sequel, but in the original, Romancing the Stone, do you remember the crocodile at the end?
0: Yeah, of Swallows course. That's the best stone. part of the whole movie.
1: <laughs> well, so apparently, I thought this was interesting. They had wired its jaws shut. It's a real crocodile. Okay. It's a real crocodile, and there were trainers and everything, you know, to keep Michael Douglas safe on set. Well, a crocodile's going to do what a crocodile's going to do, <laughs> and he dives underwater... Okay. And everyone, I guess, was looking for him. He's swimming around in, like, their little pool that they had. So two of the trainers go in, and I guess it was at night, so he was really hard to find. And maybe the wires gotten loose or he bit him off. What? So one of the trainers, apparently, the crocodile grabbed a hold of his arm Mm -hmm. and did that twist that they do. And pulled him under.
0: Oh, shit.
1: So the other trainer who happened to be the first trainer's brother. Because, I mean, if you're going to be trainer... alligator trainer. Yes! That's a movie I want (laughs) to watch. If you're going to be crocodile trainers or alligator trainers, you want to keep it in the family. He goes down. He wedged the animal's mouth open. He rescued his brother. They get the brother to the hospital in time, you know, to save him. I I don't know about what happened to his hand. I guess it was pretty mauled up. And, you know, if you get bit by an alligator, it's not good stuff. And um, I guess he was like, he wanted to whisper to Michael Douglas, and he's like, come closer. And then he whispers in his ear, my Rolex.
0: <laughs> Did the alligator eat his Rolex?
1: Well, I guess it turned out he saved losing his hand because the alligator had bit down on the Rolex watch. Oh. Which I mean Rolex. is amazing. And then when they went back to the location, they dove, dove into the lagoon and whatever, they were able to find the watch.
0: The behind-the-scenes is better than the actual movie.
1: I mean, how exciting! But wait, what happened in the movie? Now I don't remember. Did his arm get bitten off? Didn't the bad guy loses
0: his whole hand? Yeah.
1: So I want to know: Was that which happened first, the chicken or the egg? The, you know.
0: You think they wrote that into the script because it happened in real life?
1: Maybe because this is the most amazing story I've ever read. I think it's so funny. Yeah, I or I be- mean, I don't know, if funny is the right word.
0: Well, he lived, right? <laughs> right. I want to watch a documentary about these brother alligator trainers. I think
1: that's the most fascinating part, and I like the dedication. He dove under, wedged open the mouth.
0: Of course, save your brother. Save
1: by Rolex. We gotta buy a Rolex watch now. Set it with stones.